Good morning. It's so good to see the choir so full. Isn't that awesome? I love it. Love it. So as we continue the series today on regeneration, we're looking at very important topic on regenerating families. And I had a concern that some people might immediately check out thinking, well, I'm not married, I'm single by choice or through divorce or death, and, you know, it doesn't really have a lot of relevance to my life today. But I want to encourage you, I want to encourage all of us to really seek God's revelation today. What is it that God wants us to hear today? We see instructions that not only relate to family relationships, but to all relationships, and especially our relationship with God. As Pastor Dennis reminded us last week, we are in Christ, that we are holy and dearly loved. And that's our identity. And that's the identity that we take into every relationship we move into, especially within our families. Because isn't it within our families, it's kind of like that Petri dish that, boy, we get triggered. We just begin to act in ways that sometimes aren't so pretty. And I think it's because sometimes we go into those places forgetting who we are in Christ. And who, and that he comes and says to us that we are holy and dearly loved. You may have also heard um, that most marriages are unhappy and 50% of them end in divorce. Guess what? That's not true. That is not true. Shanti Feldhahn, a graduate from Harvard, social researcher and author, has done extensive research in this area and has found that 20 to 25% of first marriages end in divorce. Still not great statistics there, but not quite as gloomy as 50%. Also, the percent drops to the teens or single digits for those that attend church. Isn't that good news? I mean, that's worth celebrating. And that as well as 80% report happy marriages. That's good news, folks. Because we live in a world, we live in a society that says, why bother getting married? What's the point? I found some interesting, an interesting study in 2014 that said 82% of millennials want to get married someday. However, they have a few prerequisites. 70% want to wait until they feel more fully developed as a person. I shared that with Pastor Dennis and Drew this week, and Drew said he still wouldn't be married if that was the case. <laughs> I told him I was going to tell on him. Um, <laughs> and if Dennis and I were honest, we would say the same thing. 69% uh, want to wait until they are financially established. How many of you would be married, right? And 60% want to have lived together. 
A full 30% of millennials aren't so sure about marriage at all. They express doubt as to whether or not they even believe in the conventional form of marriage, which may be the result of a generation that did grow up in a time when a two-parent home um, was not as, as secure and that divorce rates were at their highest. However, as we seek God today and we seek his revelation, regardless married or not, kids or not, I think that's a place that we can be an encouragement to those who are married and we can be an encouragement to those that are coming up in the next generation. That question, is marriage worth it? Does marriage have value? So let's be speakers of the good news and give them hope for marriage. I also feel like I have to press the pause button for just a moment because anytime we talk about families and talk about divorce, I know that there are people that have suffered that pain, that loss in their lives. And I just want to remind you that God's mercy and grace is there for you. And I don't want shame to steal the fullness of life that God has for you now. So often as I meet with people that have gone through divorce, the the shame just kind of covers them. And God says, oh no, remember, you are holy and dearly loved. And personally, I walked that road of divorce myself over 20 years ago. And I remember the pain and the feelings of rejection. Worse yet, I went through a season wondering if all men were untrustworthy. Fortunately, Jesus became my everything. He reminded me of his love for me. He reminded me of my identity in him. And over time, restored me to experience the joy and fullness of life. He also healed my heart so I could once again trust. So there is hope. I also want to encourage parents who may be struggling with concerns for their children or grandparents who are struggling with concerns for their grandchildren. I just spent a half an hour with our our prayer warriors this morning, and we were praying through those connection cards. And so many of you write those concerns for your loved ones, for your children, for your grandchildren, for nieces, for nephews, for their desire to come back into the fold, to come to know Jesus, to to have freedom from addictions. And so, so often parents, you know, ask that question, oh, what did I do wrong? Why are my kids, why are my grandkids doing these things? And probably the real honest answer is you probably did a lot of things wrong, right? Can we just be honest about that? But guess what? All the people that have children and grandchildren following after Jesus, they did a lot of things wrong too, Okay, and we, you know, that's one of those questions I'm going to ask Jesus when I get to heaven. You know, how come, Lord? How come? So, again, I want you to keep praying for your children, for your grandchildren, for nieces, for nephews, for those children in your lives that God has placed. Whenever I feel discouraged, I think about my friend Bob, who is in 
a Bible study with my husband and I. And he came to know Christ later in life. And he tells the story that his sister prayed for him for 30 years before he came into a relationship with Jesus. But she faithfully prayed for him for 30 years. So folks, keep praying. Keep praying. God's not done. So today we're going to take a look at Colossians 3:18 through 21. Now, I thought it was really precious that our male pastors decided that this would be the verses I would preach on. Great. Thank you, gentlemen. And they and they really thought it would be a good thing for a female to preach on this topic. So I'm not exactly sure what they're thinking, but we'll see if they think it was a good idea when I'm done today. But, well, we'll see. We will see. All right. So <laughs> let's pray. Father, Father, we come to you. And, Lord, we do seek you. We seek for you to illuminate your word today, to enlighten us, Lord, to bring revelation. That, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak the words, God, that you desire for us to hear today. That, God, I pray that we would open our hearts and our minds to you. That, Lord, that you would truly bring forth a regeneration within families today. That, God, that you would restore families That, God, we know that we all belong to you as children of God. And so, Father, may we follow after you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at this scripture. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Such great words. Seems simple, doesn't it? You know, the first thing that I want want you to notice is is who each of those instructions are being asked of wives comma husbands comma children comma fathers comma those are instructions for each of those groups so often as i have counseled i have seen those verses become emotionally charged I have seen those become misused, and I have seen them become a place of abuse. Remember that God is asking each one to follow after those instructions. Let me also give the disclaimer up front before we dive into submission that this is not about being 
abused. This is not about staying in a relationship where abuse is present. Unfortunately, statistics show that one in four women suffer physical abuse by a male intimate partner. Folks, we are not, submission is not about being a doormat or being abused. And please seek help if you find yourself in that situation. But let's dive into what does submission mean. And I think the first thing that we have to consider is God's word says submit to him. It talks about submitting to one another. And then we see this specific instruction to wives that says submit to your husbands. Now, as we consider that, this is not for husbands to remind their wives to submit to them. Okay? So don't do the elbow thing today. And I often will hear them, hear husbands say, well, you know, if my wife would just submit to me, then I'll love them. Then I will show them real love. And vice versa. Well, if my wife or if my husband, what? As if my husband would, would um, love me, then I would submit to him. Right? I hear it back and forth. And those are those moments where I really wish I could be Dr. Phil and just say, how's that working for you? You know, because the reality is it doesn't work. It doesn't work because God is calling each of us to follow specific instructions for the way in which he designed marriage relationship. So wives, the Greek word for submission in in that particular verse carries the implication of a voluntary, voluntary, Yieldness to a recognized authority. Now, some women get a little bristly even about that, like, oh, he's a recognized authority? I'm, 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 I'm equal. And that's not saying anything about equality. It's not speaking about someone being inferior and one being superior. Because as a matter of fact, the Hebrew word that is used In the word for helper, as we look at Genesis, when we were created, that God created a helpmate, that that word helper or helpmate is actually used throughout the Old Testament as a reference to God being a helper to mankind. So if God is a helper to mankind, in no way is he inferior to anyone. He is God. So I think, you know, we, I think we've got to, to get that right in our brains as to what submission really means. So I really like what John Piper has to say about submission. He begins by saying, it's an attitude. An attitude, ladies. An attitude. I just want you to know that control is not a spiritual gift. Okay? I looked. I could not find it. Could not find it. Okay? But isn't that what we struggle with? We're always wanting to tell our husbands 
what they should be doing. I mean, after all, we know best, right? And we want to tell them what they should be doing. But John Piper says, Submission is an attitude that says, I delight for you to take the initiative in our family. I am glad when you take responsibility for things and lead with love. I don't flourish when you are passive and I have to make sure the family works. But the attitude of Christian submission also says, it grieves me when you venture into sinful acts and want to take me with you. You know I can't do that. I have no desire to resist you. On the contrary, I flourish most when I can respond creatively and joyfully to your lead. But I can't follow you into sin as much as I love to honor your leadership in our marriage. Christ is my king. Submission is that attitude and an act of obedience to Jesus as Lord of our lives. Submission is also a commitment to support one's husband in such a way that he may reach his full potential as a man of God. So we consider what is our attitude, what is our actions, and are we committed to supporting our husband to be all that God created him to be without controlling him. So wives, my question for you, or ladies in general, are we willing to be humble? Are we willing to lay down our desires to control pretty much everything in life and truly have the attitude of submission. One of the things that I have found helpful over the years is to kind of get in touch with what am I most fearful about? Because often if I'm fearful about something and I'm afraid to release that to God, I'm probably trying to control things within the relationships around me. So that's a question you can ask yourself. What am I fearful of? Because that may point you to a place where you're trying to control. Now, husbands, gentlemen, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Does that seem pretty easy? That instruction sounded kind of easy to me. You guys got off the hook on that one. However, then we like to move into that parallel passage in Ephesians 5 that provides that description of love for husbands to love their wives as related to the love Christ has for the church. And that passage says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So we know that this type of love is that agape love, that love that says it is selfless, it is sacrificial, and it is unconditional. Selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional. The Greek tense indicates that this love is to be an ongoing attitude. Oh, there's that word again. Attitude. An ongoing attitude and action. Love your wives. Not until she says or does something you don't like. God wants you to keep on loving. He wants husbands to establish a habit of life of loving your wife. The role of the husband is to love his wife to such a degree that she feels secure in that love. So often as a counselor, I hear women just longing for that sense of security. And we know that in Christ we are secure. But I found it interesting as I did the research that that as, as God instructs husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church, began to make more sense to me that that husbands to love your wives in such a way that they feel secure in that love. So Jesus loved us with that sacrificial love, and he was under no illusions. He knew (laughs) who we were, and yet he loved us. He loved absolutely. He loved without limitation, without condition, and without reserve. Christ set the church apart to be holy and blameless. And I found that interesting because if husbands are to love their wives, and if we think about marriage, you know, men, you chose your wives. You now have set them apart from the rest of the world to say they are now in a marriage relationship, that they are no longer available to the rest of the world but they are now part of a marriage union, a part of that covenant. And so, husbands, are you demonstrating love to build your wife up, to accomplish the purposes God has for her in her life, to be holy and blameless? Men, don't stand around and be passive as Adam was in the garden when Eve gave in to temptation. You know, I reread a lot of those scriptures over the last few weeks. And and again, that just struck me that Adam was right there. He was right there when Eve took of the fruit. So don't be passive. Join in and be a part of helping your wives to become holy and blameless before the Father. So those questions that I have for husbands, are you loving your wives with that kind of love? In what areas do you need to improve to encourage your wife to be all that God is calling her to be? 
for those of you that are not in that marriage relationship right now, and to women, we're all called to love, right? And how well are we loving one another? Children, you knew we'd get to you, right? (laughs) Obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. I heard a few amens from the choir back there. Uh, (laughs) Obedience is essential to children's physical and emotional well-being. It's foundational to their learning, to respect their parents, to respect teachers, to respect authority figures. Parents, it's our responsibility to not only teach children to develop obedience as a pattern for life, but to model obedience. So often, I may hear folks, parents say, do as I say, and yet they are not being obedient to the law or to other authority figures in their own lives. So parents, we have a high calling to not only teach obedience, but also to model that obedience. Children don't pop out of the womb knowing how to obey. Let's face it, as adults, we still have difficulty with obedience at times. And yet from the beginning, there's been a call to be obedient and consequences when there's disobedience. We know parents, grandparents, aunt and uncles are not perfect, but we know that their, their role is to help children to grow up into those places where they can learn to submit to that authority, to obey that authority. And again, there's not a lot of children in this service, but again, we're not asking children to do anything that is unlawful or puts them in harm's way. And if parents are causing harm in any way, please tell a trusted adult. And I also found it interesting, which we won't have time today to go into, but in the Old Testament, there were great consequences for children's disobedience. If you want to have an interesting little Sunday afternoon read, read Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21. Um, talks about children that are disobedient and them being stoned. So, aren't you glad that we aren't living in that age? Um, But the reality is that sometimes when children don't grow up learning to submit and to obey, that their consequences to their actions often may feel like a stoning to them. So continue to to walk out those places where God has called us to not only teach obedience but to children to really begin to walk in those places of obedience. And lastly, fathers, encourage your children that children want to please you. And your blessing as a father is critical in their development. That's another whole sermon, which we don't have time for today. But, but again, I just want to encourage fathers to do that. And to know that as you continue to seek God, continue to walk with him in those places, allow him to work in you and through you. And seek help in those places where you 
question, do I have those skills? Maybe you grew up in a home that didn't teach you those kinds of things. You know, come ask, ask for some of the, those adults that have been married for a long time to mentor you, to walk alongside of you, to encourage you. There are life skill classes that you can take. There are lots of books to read. And ultimately, really surrender and submit yourself to Christ to guide you in those places. Today, we're going to hear from Kendra Russell. Kendra is graduating high school, and Kendra has been part of a family. Our family here at College Hill and a family of strong faith. And and she's going to share her journey now of submission and dependence and obedience to God. So let's welcome Kendra. Hello, um, I'm Kendra, as Jean said. And throughout my life, I've definitely grown up in a family where I have um, models before me to uh, not only show me what it means to um, submit yourself to Christ, but also just to be really rooted um, in your faith. Um, throughout my whole life, I've gone to this church, and we did, it was just something my family did. Um, it wasn't a real choice for me to go to church. Um, it was kind of just something we did, and it seemed uh, almost habitual. And it didn't necessarily become my walk with Christ until I reached high school, and um, most notably these past few years. And I've always been surrounded by people who are not only following after Christ, but are also obedient to him. And um, when I was thinking of who these models in my life were, my mom came to mind almost immediately. Uh, She guides me in hard decisions and points me back into the direction of Christ. She prays for me when I'm in tough situations. She tells me to go to God and ask for his wisdom Um, and to pray about not only the hard scenarios I'm in, but also to trust God, and not only to pray when you need him, but pray when you feel like life is going okay. Um, Just to be present with him wherever you go and everything you do. Um, Matthew 11:28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heaven burdens, and I will give you rest. And that is something that has resonated with me especially this year uh, through uh, the stress of senior year, which is, it's real. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, just deciding if I wanted to continue playing sports, um, which I knew I really couldn't do because of different health issues that I had with my knees or even making a college decision. Um, And the lessons that I learned from both of those hard decisions were that God will be with you wherever you go. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to kick you to the curb. Um, He's going to be right there with you, even when you feel abandoned. And through growing up around people deep-rooted in their faith, I began to grow in my own way, Um, become my own person, and encourage others to follow after Christ. Um, I was encouraged by my parents Um, to begin with, obviously. uh, They were examples to me growing up, uh, who I see every day, learning 
from them and be an example to others from the Michelle faith. They've shaped my life because of their faith and them showing me what it means to be a Christian ultimately shaped me into being the Christian that I am myself. Um, I understand the importance of discipleship uh, at this church. Huddles were a big thing. We used shapes as visual representations of different aspects of discipleship. And through that, I helped lead a small group at my school, um, Princeton Young High School. It's a public school. And we met at 6.30 a.m. before school. And that was hard because I like sleep. And we teenagers need sleep. But everyone who came, I feel like, learned something from that. And there were new people Almost every week, there were people who were consistent in coming and um, even wanting to lead and wanting to say something. And I think that says something about Christ, that people are willing to come before school so early and learn about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to follow Jesus. Um, Through this year, I also learned the importance of incorporating both your church life church life and life outside of the church um, showing God's love wherever you go and being a light to the world around you it's not just showing others who God is because it's convenient for you um, it's staying rooted in your faith even when it's hard um, one example of that was there was a day where the Princeton small group prayed at the pole which the the flagpole that is placed kind of where the bus is um, dismissed. And we as a group came together and we just started praying. Um, And it was a public setting. We didn't really know if people would be receptive of it, but people came in and started praying with us. And that was not only frightening to me because it was one of my most like outward proclamations of my faith but it was so cool to see reflecting on it that it doesn't matter what others think of you that you should not be ashamed of being Christian um, just following after Jesus Christ wherever you go and being that example to others and nobody said that being Christian was going to be easy Um, if they did they lied to you (laughs) <laughs> it's it's definitely hard, but the the reward is something greater that we can ever ask for. It's something greater than even what we deserve. So there will be bumps in the road, and just power through and put your trust in God. He doesn't make mistakes, and he will guide you down the right path. He may nudge us in the right direction, and quite frankly, we may ignore it. However, no matter where we go, he provides us with guidance and deliverance. He's always right there behind us, but he may be a few feet back watching us stumble a little bit. It's like learning how to walk again, but this time it's spiritual, one in the way of the Lord. We go through steps from being able to roll over to being able to crawl, then eventually we stand up on our own. It's a little shaky at first, and we're not quite sure how to move forward or where to go. We may run into obstacles or even trip over our own two feet, uh, fall down, scrape our knees, and get dirty. But it's okay, because he's with us and he will never leave us. 
there is a constant, constant, intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father that is waiting for us as individuals. Uh, he cares for us as his beloved children, and all we have to do is trust and hold his hand. So my challenge to you guys is to surround yourself with at least one other person uh, to act as kind of an accountability partner. Challenge one another to be more obedient, whether that's reading the Bible more, praying, being a mentor, starting a small group, or just getting involved somehow. Um, Listen to what God is saying to you and then respond by making a plan, having accountability, and then acting on what he's trying to say to you. Thank you.